Well, today I'd like to speak about the sacraments of marriage. And in the, on the two little tables in the back, I have placed, not in the vestibule, but still with it here in, in the, in the, uh, in the church, I've placed an examine, examination for married couples. And, uh, when you leave today, I invite you, uh, regardless of what exit you go out to, go back there and grab one for yourselves. And, uh, probably I'll be, speaking a, a few homilies in the future on the basis of some of the points in the examine. Um, uh, today I'm going to focus on one, though, and, and it's pretty simple. It's that there are graces given in marriage. The sacrament of marriage is just that. It's a sacrament. And all sacraments give grace. And there are graces that are available through the sacraments of marriage. Jesus, when he came... He took the natural institution of marriage that because of sin and the hardness of the human heart had been deformed and had uh, many things that had kind of crept in that were not good like polygamy and divorce and things like that. He took that institution and he restored it to its pristine original purity, the way that it was intended to be in the beginning uh, as it was with our first parents. And then... More than that, he took that restored natural institution and he elevated it. He lifted it up and he supernaturalized it. And he made it a sign of his love for the church. And so it's, it's a sacrament for Christians, for two baptized individuals who have a legitimate marriage bond. That bond is a sacrament. It's a source of grace because it's a sign of Christ's union with the church. And just as much as when Jesus is in union with the church, so the members of the church receive grace from him, so the husband and the wife who are joined in the sacrament of matrimony receive special graces to help them along their journey, to help them fulfill their vocation to marriage, their vocation as spouses. These graces are given at special junctures where there is, uh, there might be conflict or trials or crosses or what have you, places that need hard work. There's special help that's given to the spouses so that they can actually image forth that sacrament, that sign of Christ's love for the church. And so, uh, if you look at the bottom of the examine at the final question on the front page, there's these different graces that are listed. So one is graces to strengthen the indissolubility of the marriage bonds. Uh, the, the marriage bond for Christians is indissoluble, meaning it's not breakable. You can't, it can't be broken or dissolved. Okay, This is what our Lord teaches us. And in the Old Testament, uh, those special graces were not given. Okay, And that's why there was a hardness of heart that led to uh, divorce, polygamy, and all these other different things that were deformations of, of marriage as it should be. But Christ in the New Covenant gives these graces to help us to have soft hearts so that our marriages could be a true sign of His love. Graces to help one another grow in holiness. This is the purpose of marriage. Marriage is for the sanctification of the spouses. It's so that they would become more like Christ as they work through their difficulties and their trials. Grace is to help welcome and educate children 
This is really the primary natural reason for marriage. It's for the good of the community. It's for building up human society, for the, uh, for the begetting and the education of, of other human beings. Grace is to perfect the couple's love for each other and for their children. Marriage is about love, and love is not easy. There are, it's, it's commonly known with, amongst pastors and, you know, both Protestant pastors and Catholic priests and psychologists and marriage counselors, that there are two phases to love. There's an initial phase, and many people experience uh, this phase as very effortless. They're just, you're in love. It's a very passive state. feels like you're being carried along. And uh, it doesn't, doesn't take a lot of work to make the relationship uh, be beautiful and, and joyous and happy and life-giving, so forth and so on. But that's only the first stage. There comes a second stage where it actually takes a lot of work. It takes work on the part of the husband and the wife to actually make the love work. So there's a kind of an effortless love at first, but then there's a love that comes by virtue of decisions. And so often it's a tragedy. People, people today say, well, I don't love the person anymore, so we're going to get a divorce. Love, real love, is a decision. It's an act of the will. It's not necessarily feelings. Okay? And so because it's an act of the will, there are graces given in the sacrament of marriage to help us make that act of will, to make the choice, to decide to love, to put the hard work in that it takes to love the other spouse. There are graces to take up our crosses. You're going to meet a lot of crosses in marriage. And there's graces to bear those crosses. You might feel that maybe your spouse is your cross. Okay, that's possible. But God gives grace in the sacrament for you to carry your husband, for you to carry your wife, whatever it might be. And then maybe I'll just kind of end on this, on these graces right here. I'll focus on these. Graces to apologize and to forgive. Graces to apologize and to forgive. This is essential in any marriage. Rare is the marriage, maybe non-existent is the marriage, where there's no need to apologize or to forgive. Uh, in a book I read, someone said, uh, the author said, you know, uh, my father followed the advice of John Wayne, who said, real men never apologize. <laughs> and uh, and it, it ruined his marriage. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, don't follow John Wayne's advice, okay? Uh, apologizing is, is really necessary. It's very interesting. I was reading this one book written by a Protestant author, and he's talking about apologizing, and I'm saying to myself, wow, a lot of the principles he's talking about have a really good parallel in the sacrament of confession. So, in the sacrament of confession, you have to have true sorrow. If you say, you know, yeah, honey, sorry about that. You know, I... I don't know if, if he's going to believe, I don't know if she's going to believe you, okay? You've got to be authentically sorry and then talk about, you know, what exactly it is specifically that you are sorry about. So that would be confession. You know, when, if a penitent comes into me and says, uh, well, uh, forgive me, Father, I'm sorry in general about something. <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah. Okay, could you be more specific? You gotta name, if it's a grave sin, you gotta name, name it. So also, when we apologize, we should, you know, have the courage to be able to name specifically what it is that we're sorry about. And then also, uh, be willing to, to make it up to the other person. Um, and this is where restitution comes in. 
If someone, again, the parallel with, with confession, if someone says, Father, you know what, I stole 500 bucks, I'm really sorry about that. And they're like, well, you're you going to pay that back? You better, okay? So restitution is oftentimes necessary. And then uh, the, the willingness, uh, the desire not to do it again as well. And so these things, this is what makes a good apology. And then corresponding forgiveness. And, it, and just like love is not... Uh, uh, feelings as much as it is an act of the will and a decision that we make. So also forgiveness is a decision that we make. It's an act of the will. Oftentimes people feel like, I don't know if I've really forgiven the person because I still feel like bitterness and things like that. Have I really forgiven them? Well, maybe, but uh, forgiveness is an act of the will. It's different than emotions. Emotions are a passive reality that we experience. Uh, forgiveness is, a, is something that we choose to do. It's active, not passive. And uh, we can actually have chosen to forgive the person, but yet those hard feelings are still there. And forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation right off the bat. You've got to work that out. Okay, Forgiveness is the first step towards reconciliation. Forgiveness also doesn't mean uh, that you automatically have to trust the person 100%. If, if, you know, one spouse has cheated on the other one multiple times, you can forgive them and you should, but trust is something that needs to be rebuilt on the part of the other person. They need to show that they are trustworthy. And so trust does not also necessarily flow right away from forgiveness as well. Uh, and in our life in general, not talking about spouses, but in general, if there's someone who's very dangerous, uh, you know, we can keep our distance from them. We can... We can forgive them and then hope ultimately to be friends with them in eternity, in heaven, but in the here and the now, if they're a dangerous person, if they've hurt you, and there's likely to do it again, you're prudent to stay away from them. Okay, Forgive them, love them in your heart, uh, don't let those negative feelings eat you apart, but nonetheless, uh, there's a difference between forgiveness and that reconciliation which we hope ultimately to take place in heaven. And so, again, my brothers and sisters, uh, marriage is not easy. It takes work. It takes acts of the will. But God gives us graces to do that. And that's what it is uh, to be a sacrament, an efficacious sign of God's grace in our lives. Just as Jesus' union with the church gives the members of the church grace, so also the sacrament of matrimony gives grace to the spouses for them to realize and image forth Christ's love in the world.